Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Sunday, our worship series that will carry us through September and October, and it's completely based upon this chapter of Matthew, chapter 25, and Jesus explaining in a very profound way just what's on the final exam. Did you ever have that teacher that, was, that would tell you exactly what was on the test? Sometimes they would even give you a worksheet that was the test. Didn't you love those teachers? We love those teachers right? Not the ones that are like, here's four books, read them all, and I'm not going to tell you what's on the test. Those were not our favorite teachers. Instead, we like to be prepared. And while I didn't need the teacher to give me all the answers in the same order, I like to be prepared going into an exam. I like to know that I have studied and I have done my duty and that there is a good chance that I might actually get an A on this test. Jesus is telling us precisely the metric by which he will judge us. And as Christians, we do surely believe that we are saved by faith alone. However, as I've said before, if you're going to live for about five minutes or more after you make that proclamation, then you and I have work to do. Because Jesus expects our faith to have form. He expects it to be enlivened by the bodies that were given to us by God on high so that we could be in mission and ministry. God gave us a body with all kinds of wonderful gifts to do things. Mouths and hearts and minds, hands and feet. And then commissioned us to go forth and use them to build the kingdom. And Jesus in this passage tells us precisely what we should do. Now there's some things missing from this list that you might go, well, isn't it integral to being a Christian to serve on a committee? Isn't it integral that you volunteer to mow the lawn? And the answer is, well, no, but yes, you should. (laughs) But these are integral to being a Christian. This is not a denominational distinction. This is in the Bible. And so this is what the expectation is for us. We are called to do all of these things. And the most faithful of us will do them consistently, perhaps even weekly. And God love you if you do them all daily. We are called to do these things. And they look very different for us as individual disciples. But nonetheless, we are called to be doing this. And today we are focusing on feeding the hungry. And that's not a very long sermon for you because I am very proud and thrilled to say that Crozet United Methodist Church feeds hungry people very well. In fact, if you came to our picnic last Sunday, you probably learned firsthand that we feed people very well. And we don't just feed those who are in our family of faith. Every single week on Monday distribution, our food pantry allows people who are hungry and in need of groceries to come in and actually shop for the food that they need to sustain them for the week. And they can do that every single week. And then on the third Saturday of the month, we have a USDA distribution where they come and get a full box that includes meat 
and protein, all these other things that they might need. So they can literally get fed here every single week. And that is a tremendous thing. We are deeply and profoundly grateful for that. But just because the church does, it doesn't mean that we individually do. And so we have work to do. Jesus understood the power of a meal. It's unequivocal. When we look in the scriptures and we read the gospel accounts, we discover that Jesus had encounters and transformed more people with a meal than anything else. More than healings, more than preaching and teaching, more than anything else. That moment that he fed them was transformative. And the scriptures tell us that he didn't just do it once, he did it multiple times, and that every time thousands, it catalogs the men, thousands of men, not including all of the women and children who were present too, thousands upon thousands of people shared a meal because Jesus fed them and were transformed and impacted. And Jesus was trying to teach this to the disciples too, not just watch me feed 5,000, but come to my table. And here I will transform this meal and those who receive it. And even after he shared with them the Last Supper, after his suffering, death, and resurrection, he met them out on the beach that day and cooked them fish for breakfast. And he shared a meal there. And there, over that meal, he had a very powerful dialogue with Peter. And he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And then again, he says, do you love me? And Peter's going, I'm having deja vu. I just said, I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And when he asked a third time, Peter's getting a little snippy. And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. Why do you keep asking? I love you. And Jesus again says, then if you love me, you will feed my lambs. And if the church has done anything questionable, it is that sometimes we negate that call to feed Jesus lambs as, we'll just feed them spiritually. We'll just give them the opportunity to worship and maybe go to a Bible study. I think literally Jesus meant feed my people. I don't think it's esoteric. I don't think that he's just simply saying, well, there can be hungry people. You'll always have hungry people. So focus on their spirituality. I think Jesus is saying, feed my people. And if we feed God's people, we will understand the power that happens there, that transformative experience. With my last church, there was a woman there who had developed her own personal ministry because I, I made the mistake one Sunday of preaching that anything you have, we can make into a ministry. And she said, fine, I have one for you. She cooks. And she said, I've decided that I'm going to have this ministry that I call the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pot. And so every week she would buy twice as much of whatever she needed to make a recipe, and she was a great cook. And she would make two meals instead of one, and one she would feed her family, and the other one she would package up, and then she would pray and discern and look for a nudge from God on who she should give this meal to. And sometimes it was someone in the church who, who just had a loved one die, or sometimes it was someone who had just moved into the neighborhood, and she would use it as kind of a welcome greeting. You know, I'm your neighbor. I'm showing you the ministry of hospitality. You know, wh whoever she felt called to take this meal to, she did it for. Well, one day, she had discerned that she was going to take it to this new neighbor who moved in down the street in her neighborhood. And when she went down and she knocked and she stood there, she didn't just drop it and run. She stood there. And when the door opened... 
The wife and mother just stared at her. And Amanda said, hi, I'm, I'm Amanda, and I've, I've made this meal for you, and I brought it to welcome you to the neighborhood and, and to let you know that we're here for you, and we look forward to knowing you and meeting you. And, and the, the woman just stared at her and said, how did you know? Amanda said, know what? She said, how did you know that we just found out that my husband has cancer and myself and my three kids have nothing to eat because we've been spent all day at doctor's appointments and meetings and we have no food in this house because we just moved here. We literally had nothing to eat and we didn't know what to do and then you rang the doorbell. And Amanda's going, I knew nothing of all of this. But God knew. And when God placed it upon her heart to go feed those people, she did it, and God took something as simple as a meal and transformed it into support and power and presence. And that family ended up joining the church, and it wasn't because the clergy were so awesome and preached amazing sermons. They joined that church, and they were very honest about it. It was in their time of greatest need. One of our own fed them. And yes, her presence and her, and her ministry fed them spiritually, but that didn't happen before she's fed them physically. It's a powerful statement about that. I also used to be involved in a soup kitchen when I lived in Norfolk, and over time, the soup kitchen had become very much about making sure that we didn't overshoot the budget. Right? You have this, this much money to feed 200 people, and you're trying to be good stewards of that money. And what ended up happening was it became a canned meal. It was high in sodium. It was high in carbs. And I'm not sure if everybody's aware of this, but just because you become homeless or you become hungry does not mean that suddenly all your medical ailments go. And we had diabetics. We had all kinds of people coming to the soup kitchen, and we were feeding them precisely what you would never want to feed these people. And so one day, somebody called us to account in our group and said, you know what, we can do better. We don't have to feed them this. And so we thought about how are we going to do this? How are we going to feed people? And we decided that we were going to commit right then and there that we wouldn't feed them something that we wouldn't feed our own family. That we were going to step up our game and we were going to feed them the kind of food that is close to our heart. And so working together... I was able to help them prepare the same tomato sauce that I make for my family from scratch. We made it from scratch, 200 portions. It's a lot of sauce. 200 portions of sauce is a lot. And we, made, we had to make other kinds of arrangements for them because we had a growing Muslim population, and so we had to make sure that we didn't serve them things that they couldn't eat. And so we had several protein options that we could add in there and a vegetarian option. And we had all of that ready to go. We ended up send, serving them a salad and dinner rolls and this really healthy pasta that we had found. And when they came, people said, this was what I used to eat before. You're taking me back to a time before I was hungry and starving and I had no dignity. We as Christians are called to that kind of shift in our thinking. We're not just going to do it because we have to do it. We're going to do it well. We are going to do it to the best of our abilities. And sometimes when you have a food pantry, it's not, it doesn't happen here, but I've been involved in food pantries sometimes where the donations to the food pantry are more like cleaning out your pantry you go in there and you're like, I don't know what made me think I was going to eat canned leucomates. That's never happening. I'll put that in there. Instead, what if we looked at it when we went to the grocery store 
or Costco or Sam's Club or whatever big box retailer we go to and we said, you know what? This is one of my favorite foods. These are one of the things that I like to eat and I'm going to buy two, one for me and one for another person. And that's what we donated. Instead of just giving them our leftovers, we gave them our best. I don't know that anything says, I care about you, not only as a human being, but as a child of God, than to give our best. And so we work toward that. We work to growing and doing better. We want our ministries to go on to perfection as much as we want to go on to perfection. That you can actually love people through food. Have you ever been loved through food? You ever have? They, they have. You've been loved through food. Someone has crafted a meal and made a meal for you, and it meant so much. Because Jesus knew that when you come to the table, there is an openness and a receptiveness there that is nowhere else in the world, and we need it. We're in a judgmental kind of culture. I don't know if you've noticed. I had a friend call me up and had been on Facebook that morning and said, um, have you seen all the Facebook posts about Melania Trump's shoes? And I said, wait, hold on, I just want to make sure I understand. You're calling to complain about someone's footwear to me? <laughs> what made you think this was a good idea? I mean, I personally don't think you should complain about somebody's footwear. I wouldn't complain about my footwear. I don't know that I want to poke that bear. So I didn't think that was a good idea. And I said, okay, moving on. And they said, yeah, there's something else I want to talk to you about. Uh, on Facebook, there are these memes, you know, these pictures. It's just a picture, a one-page picture that usually has some wording on it, some snarky wording on it. And so there was this picture that had been going around Facebook that had a picture of an empty box truck. And it was a picture from the back, and, the, and the, the back of the truck was up so that you could see it was completely vacant. And on the bottom it said, your good intentions and thoughts and prayers just arrived for Texas. And I thought, we are not going to ever malign prayer, ever. We don't do that. We don't ever do that. Now, there may be somebody somewhere, probably some Christian somewhere, saying, I don't have to do anything for the hurricane victims because I prayed and I did my duty. Fine. Those people are the minority. Those people get to answer to Jesus. The rest of us, we pray. And we pray with great intention. We don't pray because it's perfunctory. We pray because we know that prayer changes things. And we know that we're called to pray because Jesus taught us to pray. If Jesus teaches us to do it, blinking red light, this is on the final exam. If Jesus told you to do it, then you better do it. And Jesus said, pray. Join me in prayer. Stay up and pray with me. Let me tell you how to pray. And so we pray. And we pray. And when we baptize all of our missions and our ministries in this prayer, when we wrap them, when prayer comes before, when prayer is in the midst, and when prayer is afterwards, whether it's celebration or earnestly asking God to help us get better at what we did, then everything gets better, more holy, more like Jesus would have it be. So we do pray. And we don't disparage prayer. We don't mock people who pray. We don't tell people that their prayers aren't enough. We pray. I have seen people practically come back from the dead with prayer. I have seen people where they, the medical science team literally washed their hands of that person in a very Pontius Pilate moment and said, there is nothing else that we can do. And those people not only survived, but they came back and healed. And doctors were going, I have no idea how that just happened. 
I do. Prayer. Because when we pray, we are communicating with God on high, and God on high hears us, and so we pray. We pray because we want our missions and ministries to get better. We want our food pantry to be even better. We want to reach further. We want to preserve dignity while we do it. We want to ensure that these people know that we want nothing from them. We feed all of these people every month, and we don't require them to come to worship afterwards. We don't check and go, okay, you got food last month, but you haven't been to worship in our church, and so we're not giving you anything this month. And there are churches that do, and we will never be one of them. Because we feed the poor, the hungry, the starving, the stranger, we feed them simply because Jesus said to do it, and not because we are looking to get something out of it. We do it because this is what we are called to do to do. And Jesus modeled it, and Jesus told us to do it. And so we feed the hungry. We have to change how we think about that, though. Not everyone is going to show up Monday for the food pantry, and that's okay. That's okay. But this week, I want all of us to really be in prayer and to commit to doing something to feed somebody. And that may look like a many, many divergent way of doing it. Some of you may say, you know, I can't, I can't go to the food pantry this week. I'm going to commit to it next month. I'm going to put it on my calendar, and I'm going to make it happen. Great. Challenge met. Some of you may say, I need to do something different. I'm not going to be able to get here on Monday. Help me do something different. Fine. Let me share with you some of the wisdom I have gleaned from my other colleagues in ministry. I have a friend that I went to high school with, and on Facebook I've watched her as she's become a stay-at-home mom, look for ways to get her children engaged. They're very young. Get them engaged in the community and learn to be thankful. Be responsible members of the community. One of the things they routinely do together are bake cookies and then take them to the firehouse. They take them to the firehouse, and she introduces the kids to the firefighters and the EMTs there and says, these are the people in the event of an emergency who would come and help us. And they go and help people all the time. And we're just saying thank you. I bet that's powerful for those men and women who are giving of their time and their energy and quite frankly their safety to keep all of us safe. I bet that's powerful. I bet that there was someone who in your life you have drifted from a little bit. Maybe there's been a rift in your relationship. Maybe there was a problem. Maybe things got complicated and drama-filled and you, were, you took a time out. Fine. Maybe today is the day where you call that person up and you say, I want to take you out to a meal. I want to take you to coffee and a Danish. I want to take you out for lunch. I want you to come to my house. I want to cook for you. And that's where you reconcile your relationship and you reconnect. Maybe you do what my friend did and you take meals to people who need a meal. Make extra and take it. Maybe that's what you do. Thinking outside the box, though, is what Christianity is all about. Everybody said there's no way God came down in human form. And Jesus said, new box. So we have to think outside the box. How are we being called to feed the hungry this week? And maybe it looks like instead of just handing a $20 bill out the window to the homeless hungry man standing on, in the median, maybe it looks like pulling over and going, hey, I want to take you to lunch. I want to hear your story. I want to know how things are going and how I can help more than just a meal. Maybe it is taking food and using it as a conduit to relationship. And I don't know if there's anything more Christ-like in all of our existence than that. 
because that is precisely what Jesus Christ did the first time and every time at the Lord's table. Took a meal and made it a conduit for relationship, renewing relationship, restoring it, rejuvenating it, reconciling it, bringing us to a holier place because Jesus knows meals change lives. And we come here today to encounter Jesus Christ at this meal, at this table, and to be reminded that this is only a glimpse of what Jesus promises us after this. Jesus promises us that there will be unending communion, that we will feast at God's heavenly table for all time. And while this doesn't look or quite feel like that extravagant sign of love, it is a reminder that even now, whatever you have done this week, whatever you haven't done that you know that you should have done, whatever you have said, whatever hurt you have caused, every sin you have committed, after this meal, you will leave free. You will leave forgiven and free. Because this meal changes lives. And we who receive this meal are called to do the same. May this be our charge this week. And may we grow in love to the point that we truly do fulfill this every week of our lives. That when we gather here for worship on Sunday morning, it is to celebrate that, yes, God, we have heard you, we have followed your will, and people have met you in powerful and transformative ways. And I just want to get down on my knees and thank you for letting us be a part of it. May that be God's legacy in us and for us. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.